It's Tuesday, May 31st, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Beside a stricken field I stood. On the torn turf, on grass and wood, hung heavily the dew of blood. Still in their fresh mounds lay the slain, but all the air was quick with pain, and gusty sighs and tearful rain. Two angels each with drooping head, and folded wings and noiseless treads, watched by that valley of the dead. The one with forehead slightly bland, and lips of blessing not command, leaned weeping on her olive wand. The other's brows were scarred and knit. His restless eyes were watchfires lit. His hands for battle gauntlets fit. How long? I knew the voice of peace. Is there no respite, no release? When shall the hopeless quarrel cease? O Lord, how long? One human soul is more than any parchment scroll or any flag thy winds unroll. What price was Ellsworth's young and brave? How weigh the gift that Lion gave? Or count the cost of Winthrop's grave? O brother, if then eyes can see, tell how and when the end shall be. What hope remains for thee and me? Then freedom sternly said, I shun no strife nor pang beneath the sun when human rights are staked and won. I knelt with Ziska's haunted flock. I watched in Tussent's cell of rock. I walked with Sydney to the block. The moor of Marston felt my tread. Through Jersey snows, the march I led. My voice magenta's charges sped. But now... Through weary day and night, I watch a vague and aimless fight, for leave to strike one blow all right. On either side my foe they own, one guards through love his ghastly throne, and one through fear to reverence groan. Why wait we longer, mocked betrayed, by open foes or those afraid, to speed thy coming through my aid? Why watch to see who win or fall, I shake the dust against them all. I leave them to their senseless brawl, nay, peace implored. Yet longer wait, the doom is near, the stake is great. God knoweth if it be too late. Still wait and watch, the way prepare, where I with folded wings of prayer may follow weaponless and bare. Too late, the stern, sad voice replied, too late, its mournful echo sighed, in low lament the answer died. A rustling as of wings in flight, an upward gleam of lessening white, so past the vision sound and sight. But round me like a silver bell, rung down the listening sky to tell, of holy help, a sweet voice fell. Still hope and trust, it sang, the rod must fall, the winepress must be trod, but all is possible with God. The Watchers, John Greenleaf Whittier
This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blowtorches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear. Hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known for my pillow family. Still experiencing a BOGO. He's interrupting his own commercial. You uh, enter promo code STEAK at checkout. You're going to get big, big savings, but you also got buy one, get one free on select MyPillow items. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website. And uh, talk to a qualified pillow representative as well. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, cruising through the danger zone, Get those ears taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. Licensed FFL if you're into the Tracy's and don't live in Canada. He's got a five-star rating. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger, and you can hit him up via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. It's pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair. Home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. We found a dump box. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They're at dumpbox.us. Friends, don't forget to... To follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or via the website at SteakForBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified account on True Social. Welcome Tuesday edition Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 139. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. What up, what up? Guys, we've got a big, big show. We're going to be covering a lot of news that happened over the weekend. We also had a Trump rally, which we're going to break down completely in the way Steak for Breakfast always does. But first, we're going to have a conversation. First time guest on the show. You may know him as a former ambassador and head of the DNI, Rick Grinnell. Joining us now on the show today is the former acting director of National Intelligence. He was the ambassador to Germany and a special presidential envoy for Serbia and Kosovo peace negotiations during the Trump administration. He is a foreign policy expert. Joining us for the first time today, Ambassador Rick Grinnell. Thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. The pleasure is all ours, sir. We're happy to have you. How are you doing? All is good, although, you know, we're hearing some disappointing news here. Uh, and uh, I have to say, I'm not totally surprised. It's, it's been really late in uh, the investigation anyway. I kind of feel like uh, justice delayed is justice denied. I was already feeling like 
they were getting away with it. And when Democratic donors now jump forward to uh, finish the job for them, it doesn't change the, the facts. You know, Sussman lied, Sussman's guilty. I saw the evidence. Uh, we all know that. And yet, um, what's disappointing is that the Washington DC donor pool in, uh, in, in, for the courts for this jury um, just decided to jump forward and let them off the hook. But I've never really thought that Sussman was our target anyway. I mean, I'm never gonna be satisfied unless the leaders at DOJ and the leaders at the FBI, specifically Comey, who knew mm -hmm. that there were lies going on and yet he pushed uh, a, a whole strategy forward, utilizing resources from taxpayers to go down a phony road because of his politics. Um, I, I've never thought that Sussman, an outside lawyer, should have been the target. Now, what I'm told by, you know, those smarty pants in Washington, D.C. types <laughs> and that, um, oh, come on, Rick, uh, you know, he's just one and then we move up the chain. <sighs> and I thought, no, just go for Comey. We know that Comey knew and Comey lied. And there's got to be a way that turning evidence over to the FISA court that you know is phony, that's got to be illegal. I'm not a lawyer. Thank God I'm not a lawyer because I think more practically. Uh, but, you know, this system is messed up. Yeah, I feel oh, like everybody can agree with that one. There. Uh, I, I think uh, the biggest thing that you take away from this, and, and you've outlined a lot of the stuff, you know, we are required to mention Amanda Milius in every show. So from the Plot Against the President documentary, uh, with with James Comey, and I see a lot of the legacy media on across all channels today trying to get ahead of it. They always try to spin what's going on in, in the Sussman trial to James Comey, and they're like, you know, he swore up until the day he left the FBI that he, he they just didn't know. They just didn't know. He didn't know. And I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. They're, they're already trying to well distance him away from all this so he can't be ensnared to this uh all the things that they're trying to, you know, unravel regarding this whole. Let me, let me just let me just put something forward, though, right there. I need to interrupt for a quick second, because I want to make it clear that, of course, Comey knew. Comey absolutely knew. And let me just put forward uh, a couple of facts. I don't even know if I've ever said this publicly, but um, when I was pushing hard to get the transcripts um, released, unredacted, uh, when so many FBI agents had redacted certain parts and, and the key parts to try to hide the truth. When I met, uh, I walked over and I met DO at, at the Department of Justice with FBI mid-level officials. And I asked them, why, why did you redact this important information that clearly is not a source or a method? Why did you do that? The answer unequivocally every time was, well, I, I actually didn't do that, sir. Somebody higher up did that. Mm. So the reality is, is that we do have individuals uh, at the FBI and at DOJ who knew the truth. Now, I would say not speaking up as your bosses are pushing a phony line is, is uh, immoral, but they tried, at some of them at least, they tried to raise the issue to say, I don't, I personally don't think that these that this information should be redacted. So when I drilled down to find the actual authors, no one had done that. No one had said, well, who, who redacted this? And we have records. And then I called them to a meeting. I got to tell you, the DOJ officials at the time were like, no, 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 we don't want you meeting with them. And I said, of course, not. Sorry, I don't care what you think. I am going to do this. And, and here's your other choice. 
I'm either going to unredact them and release them without having you give me some of your opinion as to why they should stay redacted, or you can have me meet with them. And when I finally pushed forward and I said to Bill Barr, I want to meet with these guys. What, what, what are we hiding? Why are you not willing to have individuals who, who redacted information defend that information to me? In the room, it all imploded because mm. they scrambled for uh, the truth and they just said, no, we don't see a source. We don't see a method. We don't see any problem. And then, of course, I had all sorts of problems with the higher ups. But at that point, I had what I needed and I gave a deadline and I said, I'm releasing this and it's going to go out. Um, of course, Adam Schiff said that he was going to sue me. He never did sue me. Nice. Um, and we put all the transcripts on the DNI website. By the way, they're still there. You can go read them and you can see that uh, all these individuals who are out publicly saying one thing lied under oath um, by uh, or maybe they just told the truth under oath um, right. <laughs> when they said that they saw nothing and there was no collusion. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting. Some breaking news, and uh, we'll live link those. Yeah, it's exclusive. <laughs> We're going to live link that in the show description today. The DNI archives. Now, Ambassador, there is one thing I have to get to the bottom of. It's 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 really been bugging us for the last couple of weeks. We have a reoccurring guest on the show. He, he he claims to be friends with you. He's he's a handsome young Indian man. That's how he describes himself. <laughs> and he says during some of your time uh, in D.C. during it, throughout the Trump administration, he was running around, and I'm quoting now doing everything for you behind the scenes. Can you confirm or deny that that Cash Patel was one of those go-to guys when you were working in Washington? Let me just tell you something. This is the truth. <laughs> when I was told that um, I uh, needed to be acting director of national intelligence, I, I had been offered the DNI job permanently before then, and I did not want it. Uh, I had a different path that I was going on, and I figured Donald Trump was going to get reelected. I was confident of that. So uh, when, but when I got the call to say you need to be acting DNI immediately and you need to come back from Germany, um, of course, those are those times where you salute and you say, yes, Mr. President, um, I hear, you know, you can hear it in his voice. There's a difference between him kind of asking, would you be interested and him telling you something? And this was one of those moments where I was told, I literally said under one condition, I have to have Cash Patel come with me. Yes. Nice. And, and um, what was great is the phone call that I made afterwards to tell Cash, hey, I'm going to be acting DNI. And he was like, dude, that's so amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but the condition was that you come over with me. And he said, I'm not going over with you. And I said, <laughs> it's too late. Your, your future Sorry. has already been decided. It so he came over told. kicking and screaming. But I had to have him. He knows uh, the intelligence community. I had to teach him a little of uh, how to be a diplomat. Um, but he's, think, he's a fire breather. Yeah, but I think he liked it. I think we had a good time, and and he he truly gets all of the credit. Oh, that's awesome! I, and I know you guys have a really great relationship, and I, I'm going to touch on that in just a little bit. But I do want to ask about. Listen, we, we've seen a lot of foreign policy disasters uh, happen since the Biden administration came in. Uh, last year, uh, starting with the stuff in Afghanistan. Now we, we're seeing uh, the Russia conflict in Ukraine. We have China posturing. North Korea is feeling great. Uh, Iran and Venezuela are working behind the scenes to help tank our economy. And, and, and what do you think? Now, I know there's a lot of Obama retreads and, and, and revenge hires in this administration. 
do you think gave, was it the Afghanistan disaster or was it a combination of other things that you think led to all of our historical non-friends in the global community just thinking they could do whatever they want and massively posturing at us right now? So I've given a speech on this subject before and I, I firmly believe that the opposite of America first is consensus with the Europeans. Yep. And and what what Joe Biden has always wanted is the the applause and the roar of the Europeans. He wants them to like him. And so early on, even before Afghanistan, uh, Chancellor Merkel, who is uh, who was the leader of Germany, but more importantly, the leader of Europe with the largest economy in Europe, she was uh, really controlling Joe Biden, whatever she asked for, uh, she was going to get. They have that long history of being, you know, in and around each other for a very long time. Uh, there was, uh, you know, famous stories of going back to the first Bush administration when Chancellor Merkel was a spokesperson for the then German government meeting uh, Senator Joe Biden. And, you know, this love affair uh, really took off. So when Chancellor Merkel came forward and said, to the Biden team, drop the Trump sanctions on the Russian pipeline. We need that energy and we can control Russia. That's a that's a message that I had been hearing for years and what Donald Trump had been hearing for years from Chancellor Merkel. There's one difference. When Chancellor Merkel would tell us to drop the sanctions on the Russian pipeline because the Germans had it, they could control Russia and you know, the Russians weren't gonna put one over on the Germans or the Europeans. Um, Donald Trump didn't believe her because she had already been cutting uh, all sorts of different forms of energy and creating this over leverage that the Russians had over the Germans and over the European economy. And I, I got to say, our, our media in the United States did a terrible job of reporting on the European Parliament because the European Parliament kept pressuring the Germans to drop the Nord Stream 2 uh, project. They said this is bad for uh, the, the European community, but yet when Joe Biden became president, this is a long answer to say that Chancellor Merkel, the Senate Democrats and Joe Biden's administration came together to immediately drop the sanctions on the Russian pipeline. That created all sorts of chaos. Yep. That is what led to the Ukraine war. Senate Democrats now can lament this war all they want, but they need to go back and they need to reevaluate why they dropped the Trump sanctions on the Russian pipeline. Why did they believe consensus with the Europeans over an America first policy? Yeah, it's, it's you know, we, we use, when you talk about the money and stuff, all that European Union pressure to get out of that Nord Stream pipeline and kind of pin themselves into where they are now. Uh, you know, this whole hardest sanctions in the history of sanctions that our government has put on Russia as kind of a collaborative event with the European Union has, we see the Russian ruble, it's almost at plus 12% uh, on the global market right now for this fiscal year. It's completely rebounded and Russia's in a position to where they're deciding where their gas and, and natural gas and electricity is going to. They just announced today that they're going to be cutting off uh, some some version of, of energy that they pump out to another country uh, just in the next week. Uh, I, I, and at the same time, it's hurt us at home. We, we use border walls as a currency on this show because we, we, we shut down the government one time over, over something measly compared to 
you know, the the annual cost of the Afghan war that we sent over to Ukraine in the last 100 days. We're currently sitting, Mr. Ambassador, at 13.25 border walls worth of money already sent over to Ukraine since this conflict started. And uh, it, it's, it's just crazy to try and wrap your brain around. Look, I think you make really great points, um, which are really part of the America First policy. Uh, part of uh, our agenda has always been to get our allies to do more so that we can concentrate on what's best for our people. And I'll just give you the example of, you know, the Germans have a budget surplus. They have incredible infrastructure, roads and bridges. They have a opera house on almost every corner. Uh, they have been able to fund a lot of programs uh, for their own people. Now, I always get into trouble when I say they even fund college uh, and healthcare. Um, and they'll say, no, 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 our taxes pay for it, uh, high taxes. But look, the reality is, is that the Germans are spending money on their people because they don't have to pay for their defense. And yep. so it's a real problem when we have American leadership that decides that it's more important to have consensus with the Europeans. Um, and, and one of the reasons why I'm very concerned about it is because after being the US ambassador to Germany, I can tell you that the Germans in particular and the Europeans uh, as well, they don't share the same threat assessment of Iran, of Russia, uh, they don't share the same threat assessment that we do. And that's a concern because, you know, I've had German politicians tell me, well, if the Iranians got a nuclear weapon, they're not going to hit Berlin. And so there was this confidence that Iran getting a nuclear weapon might be a problem for some in the West, but not for the Germans, because the Germans yeah. were there uh, kind of having a foreign policy that was more like Switzerland where they wanna be everybody's friend and they wanna sell cars in every capital. Yeah. And, and that, that was my job there, is to remind the German politicians and the German public and particularly the German media that America has spent way too much money and way too much capital to allow the German government to move away from the West. And that's what's happened over the last yep. years and we've seen it. The Germans have become like Switzerland, and they've moved away from the West. They don't call it a Western alliance. They call it a transatlantic alliance, which is, which is a way to say we don't really want it to be Western. We want to be everybody's friend. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you saw it firsthand when, when, when you were the ambassador to Germany. I, I do want to kick it over to Antoinette right now. Uh, ambassador, she's of Serbian descent and uh, she's Albanian, Albanian, Albanian and, and she wanted First to ask generation. you about your... Uh, yeah, she wants to ask you about your time as envoy there. I think that's one of the things you did that was like absolutely amazing. And she, yeah. uh, you know, we, we, I don't hear deal. people talk about it enough. So, yeah, so obviously it's a big deal for me and my family. My parents were born and raised in what is now known as Montenegro, former Yugoslavia. And then, but we're Albanian. Our family has been there for five, six hundred, five, six hundred years. So it's like ancient Albanian land and Serbia. Where were you born? I was born in New York, but my mom and dad were born in Podgorica. Yeah. In, nice. uh, yeah, Montenegro. So I wanted to There's ask. There's so many Albanians in New York. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are. And Detroit. Exactly. So I grew up in both places. <laughs> oh, really? That's funny. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, listen, the Albanian community is, uh, you know, 
some of the great canaries in the coal mine for what's happening in America. Because yes. this is a this this is a, a a people that have literally seen fascism and totalitarianism. They know what it's like when the media begins to just trumpet the line of the ruling party. Exactly. And and that's what we have right now in Washington is, you know, I keep saying constantly that these third world dictators are so jealous of the Biden administration being able to control the media that the way they do and then pretend like it's free. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 you know, there are countries that literally pay the media to say what they're supposed to say. And Joe Biden's getting away with getting what, exactly what he wants without having to pay for it. So I love the Albanian community. Uh, I have many, many friends, uh, actually here now, but here in Los Angeles, I've, uh, some Albanian friends too, who, who constantly uh, teach me <laughs> about uh, the culture. So yeah, I, no, my parents, you know, growing up told me, I mean, they lived through socialism and communism. So, I mean, I learned through their experiences and here I am, you know, with my belief system, but I wanted to ask, how was your experience within the peace negotiations between Serbia and Kosovo? What was that like? <clears throat> you know, I'm so glad that you guys brought this up because I, I rarely get questions on it. And to be honest, it was my favorite job in the Trump administration. Really? I had a blast. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Doing, doing the negotiations, um, you know, I, I could, I, we could do a whole show on it. Um, I know there are some people not interested in it and it might not rate well. But I would tell you that uh, it is truly one of the highlights of what the Trump team did. And this was all President Trump. President Trump, yep. he, he looked at the situation of this perceived conflict of more than 20 years, um, you know, in recent memory. Of course, it, right. it's been longer than that. But the since the NATO campaign, mm -hmm. it's been roughly 20 years. And, and we still are fighting about a lot of different issues that we shouldn't be because they're all political issues. Yes. And so what President Trump said is, you know, go in and try to, to do economic normalization. Let's try to get them to uh, keep young people in the region so that they don't move to Germany or Poland or Hungary for jobs, but that they can stay in the region. And so I really pushed hard. Uh, obviously, I think both sides um, at different points didn't like me. And uh, yet, at, in the end, I think both went away uh, respecting me because we tried to really forge economic normalization. And I kept saying to them, you know, look, let's get rid of this petty political stuff. You got to look forward. Uh, I know these are hard issues, but if you don't look forward, uh, you're really not going to be able to um, keep these jobs and have a growing economy. The perceived conflict was the problem with so many Western businesses. And so we were trying to solve that. It was pretty fun to, to have the uh, leader of Kosovo and the leader of Serbia in the Oval Office with President Trump. He had a blast. Uh, we signed this historic agreement. Um, and I always try to give a shout out to President Thaci um, from Kosovo, who truly did all of the heavy lifting. And then the Europeans arrested him uh, and put him in The Hague. He's still at The Hague. Is he? Um, and it's wow. it's really outrageous. This is one of the political prosecutions <clears throat> that should sink the International Criminal Court. Uh, yeah. What they did is so outrageous and so manipulative. Uh, they don't have any evidence on them. They're doing the same political hit job that they've done for 20 years. Yep. Yet they put this guy and they still have him. 
in prison. And it's really, truly outrageous. And by the way, some of those prosecutors are American progressive liberals who mm. did this to Donald Trump. It doesn't yep. get enough attention. And with all those smarty pants in Washington, D.C. and the media who care about international issues, shame on them for not highlighting President Thatchy and what's happening to him. And shame on the Biden administration for not doing enough to try to get him out. The Europeans should hang their head in shame. And I'll just say this, um, we should never be funding the international courts. Nope. I'm sorry, they're way too political yep. and they've proven to be uh, really shameful when it comes to this particular situation. And they've really burned their bridge with me. Wow, I, I can't believe he's still at The Hague. I didn't yeah. know. Wow, unbelievable, yeah, no. Well, there's the news cycle's been nonstop for the last, what, seven years now that some of these things just come and then, you know, you, you gotta know. think about the actual human capital that's involved. Ambassador, last thing I want to touch with you on, it's probably domestically, I mean, there's a lot, the economy, gas prices, education, everything, the woke agenda, you name it across the board. But right now, in regards to fixing this stuff, we have the midterm elections coming up. Uh, you've been out there stumping super hard for a lot of candidates. I've been seeing you fight big, big time on online uh, via your social media is trying to, uh, you know, inform people about the, the agenda and the Trump back candidates. Incredible record from the 45th president so far. I believe he's standing at about 106 is what he said at the uh, Wyoming rally this weekend. We know you're involved uh, helping stubborn for a couple campaigns. Do you want to talk about some of these America first candidates that we're real great friends with Adam Lexalt and that whole camp and uh, all the stuff this. you do with that? This is this has been my favorite interview of all times. It's like you're asking me about all of this work for the America First candidates and Kosovo Serbia. <laughs> Let, let's do this regularly. Look, I want, I want to say one thing. Um, I don't get paid to stump for uh, the America First candidates. I do it on my own because I believe in these people. And it's really important for me to have people know that when I'm endorsing somebody, I'm not getting paid by them. That's not the way I work. A lot of people do that in this industry. They they consult or whatever, and I just don't do it. So I, I want to highlight a couple of candidates that I think you should have on the show. One, uh, this young guy running for attorney general in Arizona, Abe Hamaday, is he is really good, and he's the only MAGA candidate that's running. If you live in Arizona, you've got to vote for Abe Hamaday for attorney general. He he's got the greatest line. Uh, for his campaign, which is less attorney, more general. Nice. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. <laughs> which, awesome. which, which is fantastic. And then, of course, my great friend, Adam Laxalt, who is running in Nevada. Uh, he's got the 51st seat. If we win that seat uh, and we hold Ohio and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, I, I think uh, Adam's seat is going to be the most important seat. He's up. He's doing really well. If you live in Nevada, support Adam Laxalt. Uh, Adam is endorsed by President Trump. And uh, and then uh, Abe Hamaday, who I talked about, I'm I'm pushing President Trump to have a meeting with him and endorse him soon too. That's great, and uh, yeah, Adam's going to be coming back in June. He's got that window where he's going to be doing like a media blitz the next two weeks, so we're going to be having him back. And then I'm looking at our schedule now. We've got Carrie Lake and Blake Masters coming on on, on June. Oh, 5th. Yeah. I'm going to have to reach out to Abe and see if we can't do uh, an Arizona first edition of the show. Yeah, you should do so. that. Um, Carrie uh, is a great candidate as well. Um, I think she is going to be the most conservative governor in America. So agreed. I'm proud to proud to have her uh, running, and I'm proud to support her. 
Yeah, there's there's just a lot of good stuff going on. And I think every time people see the news cycle spinning out of control, it's getting bad, all this stuff, they're taking our guns, can't f- find food and baby formula, gas prices are high. Just remember, in January, uh, after we go to the ballot boxes in November and, and cast your vote to get back to the America First agenda and stop what the Biden administration is doing now, we can at least pump the brakes and all this stuff that's going on and have him reject America first legislation that we're going to be proposing in the future to uh, make this country great again. Start talking about American greatness a little bit more like Donald Trump always says. Love it. And, and Ambassador, this has been an absolute treat sitting down with you finally. Uh, you know, since we met Cash, he's always spoke your high praises. Uh, there's been a lot of people who's come through the show. Adam has. Dr. Peter Navarro has said great things about you. Of course, Erica Knight talks about you all the time. And uh, she's like, dude, you got to get him like. He, he's, he's serious, but I, I guarantee you guys can get him to laugh. And uh, we, we, we had fun today. We'd, of course, love to have you back at some point in the near future. Anytime. And uh, we want to let our listenership know where they could follow you. If you want to give out any social medias, obviously, True Social or websites. And uh, we'll live link it in the show description today. Awesome. In uh, truth, I'm at Grinnell, G-R-E-N-E-L-L. On Twitter, I'm at Richard Grinnell. And on Instagram, I'm at Richard Grinnell. Awesome. Thank you very much for sitting down. Uh, it was a good conversation. We look forward to having you back. Ambassador Rick Grinnell, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. All the best. Thank you. So what did you guys think of Ambassador Grinnell? Pretty nice. good to uh, finally get him on the show and have a little conversation with him. Yeah, we've been waiting on that one for a while. I know. Super. Ex- I was super excited for it. I'm happy that he was finally able to come on. I, I think that shan't be the last time that he appears on Steak for Breakfast. Let's Much in the same way, it's probably not the last time we're going to hear from Donald Trump this midterm election season. Ooh. He held one of his a, uh, signature Save America rallies, which uh, usually rocked the house. It was the largest attendance. Yeah, I heard there was in a the few facility. people there. Yeah, there was a, there was, there was a few attendees in, in the great city of Casper, Wyoming. And uh, Donald Trump did not fail to deliver. He was high energy as usual. And brought the fire right out the gates, starting with, uh, well, he's talking about World War III, nothing big, in our first audio clip. China, let's see what China does. I mean, the only thing that's keeping China out is they see how poorly Russia's doing. But Russia now has a different tactic. They stay way far away, and they just keep lobbing missiles and missiles and missiles into these cities and these poor people that are being decimated. And you're going to end up with nothing going to end up with nothing. That whole country is being obliterated, and you'll end up with millions of lives. And you may, may end up with a third world war, by the way, okay? You may end up with a third world war because of the stupidity of what we're saying and what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And we want to help the people because what's happening to them, they're being obliterated. But, you know, we could end up in a third world war because of the way we're going about it. And I never thought that would be possible. And a third world war would be like no other war because a third world war, we have weaponry right now. I completely rebuilt the United States military and in rebuilding it, in rebuilding it, and in rebuilding it, we also rebuilt, renovated, and brand new nuclear weapons. And I hated to do it because I saw the power. I know the power better than anybody. (laughs) I know the power. And we are in a position that I never thought we'd be in. We have a major country. Every day he mentions nuclear, nuclear, nuclear. And uh, China's doing things that they would have never done with us. 
we're in a position now, I don't think our country has ever been in a worse position, in a weaker position, a more pathetic position. And a lot of it started from the way we withdrew from Afghanistan. A lot of it started there. You know, it, it, it's one of those things where Joe Biden did exactly what he said he was going to do, and that was pretty much not only stop America from being energy independent, but he was going to uh, embrace the Green New everything and in turn shut everything down, uh, which he did. He's canceled pipelines, he's canceled treaties and, and agreements that we've had to drill both on in Alaska and offshore in the Gulf of Mexico uh, most recently, which has saw gas rise even more. Actually, I, I retweeted something before. Somebody on Twitter took a picture from uh, Beverly Hills uh, $8.5 a gallon for gas in Los Angeles yeah, right now. Well, it's terrible, especially in Beverly Hills. A lot of my friends that live there are like, this is, they, they can't believe it. And some of them voted for Biden. So they're reluctantly like admitting, damn, we made a very big mistake. Yeah. Well, I mean, it shouldn't just be. I know you uh, are it, feeling it at the gas pump. Oh, yeah. I mean, it shouldn't just be the pricing that is opening people's eyes it should be all encompassing yeah, everything but the good i mean not the good thing but the good thing about these things hitting just everyone equally i mean regardless of your income like it's gonna hurt to be dumping that much money in your gas tank every week just to do simple things like go to your fucking job in which case you're probably getting paid less just by default because of your gas prices yep it's good that people are seeing it, but it, it would be nice if people would have seen it sooner when everything that was happening is exactly what Biden said he was going to do while he was basically running. He, I mean, he was his open border policies and all the bullshit that's happening right now, other than like, you know, he didn't say he was going to try to do a proxy war with Russia, but everything else has come true. It's just been like perfect synchronized attack on America, which is what he said yeah. he was going to do. Yeah, and, and it's like this, like, it's like with anything in life, and, you know, honestly, it's, they, people did not realize how good they had it until they didn't have it anymore. Yep. You know? So now they're realizing, holy shit, like, I've got to reassess my entire, like, thought process, like, my beliefs, like, this, this crosses all party lines, this affects, like you said, Noah, everyone, this, it's not left versus right. This I mean, unless you're rich enough where it doesn't matter, you don't care. Well, yeah, but, I mean, I, mean I don't know. Problem. We're getting to that point, though, where it affects yeah. everyone. Oh, I thought no, you meant it, rich. It, especially, <laughs> well, even rich people are feeling it now because a lot of rich people, um, they create jobs, you know. They, they do good things for people, you know, the common people that are like, you know, in, you know, Peasants. the upper middle, middle class. You know, I mean, a lot of people think, oh, you know, rich people, it's like the elite 1% only. No, a lot of rich people that are self-made are, are the ones creating jobs and, and giving people opportunity and it's affecting them as well. And it's, it's removing those jobs. People always think that, you know, it's like, oh, the, you know, we're going to tax the rich and these different uh, you know, we're going to take it to them. And it's like, well, yeah, but most of the time these businesses and companies, it's like, they're going to pass along, like their bottom line is their bottom line. Like this is what they need to keep their nut and make Dang. their, make their egg or whatever you want to call it. And yeah, the prices go up for you, but they're still making the same amount. So it's like, all we're well, yeah, doing is hurting like ourselves as a country. Somebody. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And I, th I just think it's really sad because you, I mean, over the last two years, you see a lot of self-made businesses that have created so many jobs and employed so many people and have gone under and will never come back again, you know? And right now it, it's almost like, well, I mean, it's obvious at this point that they're destroying the middle and upper middle class entirely to have that poor, like the, the, the really, like the big contrast, very poor and the ultra elite rich. Mm -hmm. So essentially the destruction of the middle class. Yes. Um, you know, I'm going to stay in the same thread of a couple of things you guys were talking about. Noah, you hit a couple of the checkboxes box uh, going down that list of things. You said maybe not start a proxy war with Russia. However, remember, they wanted to villainize Vladimir Putin since day one with Donald Trump and creating that fake narrative back yeah. in, in 2016 about Russiagate. So uh, they seem almost justified in, in through his invasion of Ukraine uh, to connect him to orange man bad. Now it's vodka man bad. See, we told and, you he was you know, bad. And then we joked about being rich, and I'm still staying in the same, uh, basically, thread of joking. But I saw this week, I didn't tell you guys yet. So TMTG, the Donald Trump Acquisition and Media Group, which Cash Patel sits on the board, um, they're going to be offering a streaming service here not too long from now. It's in the works. It's going to embrace the Second Amendment, Trump-specific shows, and other topics that appeal to conservatives and or lib libertarian views. It intends to offer programming that will include, but not limited to, blue-collar comedy, canceled shows, Trump-specific programming, everybody loves that, based faith-based programs, family entertainment, shows that embrace the Second Amendment, and news, mm -hmm. dot, dot, dot. It will also include podcasts. Nice. Hey. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Oh, I, I, already tagged, I already tagged Cash Patel and Devin Nunes on Truth Social and said, are we auditioning for a job or what? Nice. <laughs> Come on. And then, and then you know, when, I'm a little rusty, but I'm, I'm ready to audition for that role. <laughs> and then when, well, you uh, definitely will be the face of steak for breakfast at that point. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I need to go for a facial. <laughs> and then when Trump wins, it'll just be liberals screaming. Well, whatever. Their own channel. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm glad uh, his son sits on the board so he can run that stuff when he does win again and uh, 2024, but, um, we, we're going to stay in the same thread in the second audio clip from the rally and, and continue down that road with gas prices. Let's hear it. Well, we were just two years ago, there was no inflation. The war with Russia going into Ukraine would never, ever have happened. True. And we wouldn't be giving away $85 billion worth of equipment, and we wouldn't have had 13 dead soldiers, and we wouldn't have had many soldiers so horrifically injured that, and nobody talks about them with no legs and no arms and blown to pieces, and nobody talks about them. Only modern-day incredible military medicine could have kept them alive, but they have to suffer for the rest of their lives. And we wouldn't have left American citizens behind. Would have been none of that. Hmm. We had $1.87 per gallon gasoline. Think of that. Now it's going to close to $9 today. Yeesh. That's like three massive tax increases. Energy independence. And soon we were going to be energy dominant. We were going to be bigger in a short period of time than Russia and Saudi Arabia combined much bigger. And a lot of that energy 
was going to come from a place known as Wyoming. You know that, right? Mm. <laughs> I see what he did there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so when you take those two narratives and put them together, the the uh, perspective of maybe a third world war and parlay that into how it's affected the global economy, especially in the energy sector and gas prices. Now, remember, we're the only ones here that are getting our asses kicked. I don't want to hear that the UK has always had $7 of whatever the fuck they measure their gallons with over there. Gas. Yeah. No, thank you. It's expensive. The fact the Russian ruble has made an an almost 12% rebound uh, better than their average was last year. And Russia is now deciding which countries they send natural gas, fuel, and mm-hmm. um, electricity to even. So I'm glad the hardest sanctions in the history of sanctions worked on the American people. Yeah. Uh, they haven't done anything to uh, hurt Russia in any case. And what we're doing now is with the now $55 billion that we've sent over to Ukraine, which we're going to update it every week, we're at 13 border walls now Mm. worth of money over to Ukraine, not including or accounting for the current rate of inflation. Um, We're going to be nation building. You know, Donald Trump talks about how Russia is just leveling those cities. Well, who do you think is going to take the lead in uh, rebuilding it? He, He weighed in on this. Let's hear him. Also, the terrible tragedy that happened this week in Texas. And as I said yesterday in Houston, our hearts grieve for the terrible loss and we send our love to the families. This is a, what a horrible, horrible thing to see. And I can tell you, just having left Texas, they are devastated. The whole country is devastated. Actually, the whole world is devastated. So now we urgently need to invest in securing our schools. We spend trillions and trillions of dollars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And we got absolutely nothing for it. Before we nation build the rest of the world, we should be building safe schools for our own children in our own nation and in our own towns. I like it. Yeah. Yep. That's not wrong. That's for goddamn sure. And, and I mean, I don't think he's literally talking about four or five school zones, but there's a lot more sensible, practical, and adequate ways we could make our schools safer than they currently are yeah um especially the one for small smaller children well yes exactly and i was about to um, mention that like i've been uh, talking to my son's private montessori school and asking them what their security protocols are like what is their plan if there was like an active shooter situation and we're trying like you know kind of like narrow down like like a like a straightforward plan, black and white, like we can like, we know without confusion, you know, like what would happen, what we should expect, what we can expect, et cetera. I mean, I think a lot of parents are rethinking their children's safety after what's happened in the last week and a half. If we have any less security at a school than they have at a school board meeting, there's something fucking wrong. Like if they can, if they can hem up a bunch of parents for yelling about the bullshit that's going on, then they can ham up a guy with a rifle who's trying to come in. Well, that's why, like, it, it's it's a no-brainer. I, I don't understand why it's not already in place. You know, it, it's crazy to me to not, like, why, why do s- these schools not have an armed officer on campus? 
it's bizarre to me. Like, uh-huh. ugh, especially like these, like these states, for example, like Chicago, every single uh. school should have metal detectors. Because every single kid has a gun. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, ba- no, honestly, and I know people in Chicago. Well, they would just start keeping them in their lockers and walk through. No, but they do, and it's fucking nuts. I mean, yeah. look at the kid that, the kid that was in, um, I forgot, was it Chicago? What state was it? It was. It was Chicago. Yeah, so he shot his teacher and shot at, uh, you know, a few other students, and he got let out the next day, and his family paraded him around and partied on Instagram. And Oh, like, yeah, I remember that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yep. uh, I mean, really. Well, he wasn't fitting the he wasn't fitting the narrative, so he gets out for free. Get exactly. Out, get out of jail free card. And then this kid in Texas, well, not just him, but the entire sheriff's department, the incompetence is uh-huh. astounding, astounding. I cannot wait. So that I believe the DOJ is now investigating. Well, it's Merrick Garland, so. They're yeah, gonna exactly. make it fit their narrative. Uh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, you have to you have to kind of think that a lot of this they're using to their advantage because they want that that impropriety to seem like well, it's look- on the on the face of the police, which you know in this case it probably is that they kind of dropped the ball and didn't do what they should have done in that situation. But at the same time, they're gonna use this to their advantage because they want this ill will towards law enforcement because when summer of love part two starts again, well, yeah, exactly. They what need the, doing. they yeah. need the anti-cop rhetoric to be as strong as possible. And this is getting people who, you know, even to some extent weren't against police, but now they're getting anti-gun. everybody on board on this. It's like, Oh yeah, now I'm anti-gun and anti-police. Right. And it's crazy to me because like, when have we, for example, like when have we seen the, this many mass shootings in succession, like one after another? And it's so obvious to me personally, I can't attest to you guys or anyone else, but, and I haven't, honestly, I, I've kind of like removed myself from following uh, media and current events a little bit just because I have family in town and I need a little bit of a break, but I'm noticing a trend without looking too hard. And it's so obvious to me, like all these shootings. And then I see Kamala Harris, uh, before it, this happened, I'm like, gun control. Instantly, uh-huh. this is coming, this is coming. And I'm like, for me, it's it, it seems so convenient or planned depending on well what I think. I, but Kamala I, I, and then now gavin newsom and i'm like i'm like how obvious can it get what they're trying to do they're taking advantage of the situation and more it's to me it's completely ugh, it's so frustrating yeah, to watch i don't know if you guys saw yesterday because it was a pretty busy weekend but uh justin trudeau announced that all transactions involving handguns uh in canada are officially Aww. over Stop it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See see what I mean? They had a pretty hard to get firearms up there anyway, but I mean to make it just non existent now, it's like, oh, congratulations. I might be teasing a little bit of the uh That's second news mean. block today. But uh you know, the Trump rally was for America first candidate Harriet Hagman, and uh she is looking to primary uh the most rhinoiest of rhinos liz cheney and unfortunately because we lack video here on steak for breakfast you won't be able to see it but donald trump did use and utilize his jumbotron which he brings with him everywhere now apparently they don't rent it anymore he bought it (laughs) and uh grand old memes rendition of 
Liz Cheney, George Bush graced the screen for everyone. To oh, laugh wow. At. And, and, and he did that while he was talking about her and her America last policy. So let's hear that. He's the face of the Washington swamp and the same failed foreign <laughs> policy of the Clintons, Bushes, the Obamas, the Bidens, and the entire sick political establishment. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I think she looks good. <laughs> she looks nice. But Liz Cheney is about America last. <laughs> She's weak on border security. By the way, very weak on border security. And as House Conference Chair, she sent every Republican member of Congress talking points on amnesty ripped word for yep. word from the Biden White House. Literally word for word. It's time you finally had a representative who will put America first and who's looking to make America great again. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Big and engaging crowd. Trump would continue. We will we'll move it along and stay in the same narrative here with some bonus shitting on Liz Cheney. And uh, he's talking about how much she loves Republicans. Oh, gosh. Wyoming thought you were electing a conservative warrior, but instead you got a lapdog for Pelosi and a human soundbite machine for CNN and <laughs> MSDNC, MSDNC. Liz Cheney hates the out. voters of the Republican Party, and she has for longer than you would know. Wyoming deserves a congresswoman who stands up for you and your values, not one who spends all of her time putting you down, going after your president in the most vicious way possible and loving endless, nonsensical, bloody, horrible wars that never end, they just never end. The Cheneys are diehard globalists and warmongers who have been plunging us into new conflicts for decades, spilling yep. American blood and spending American treasure all over the world. The Cheneys, along with George Bush, didn't even have the courage to pardon Scooter Libby. He was their big protector. You know, he protected George Bush very badly. He could have been in big trouble, yep. and so could Cheney. And they didn't do it. You know who did it? I did it. I gave him a pardon. <laughs> Scooter Libby, right? <laughs> Remember him? He's the greatest of the scooters. You know, he, he's right. And, and it's so great that uh, we were able to see in the Texas primary last week, the runoff, Ken Paxton defeat uh, the Bush that was running. And with the upcoming Wyoming primary now, we have the chance to finally have them out of Beltway politics for the first time in decades. Forever. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, listen, the Bush that ran in Texas, he was big time pro-Trump. He ran on a lot of different things that uh, his family had pushed for over the course of their involvement in and out of the D.C. swamp. But the fact of the matter is, I think it's time for 
fresh blood across the board. They're already they're so scared about the midterm elections right now and some of these oh, yeah. candidates that are coming. And remember, even though Donald Trump had some ups and downs in Georgia, we talked about it on last show with some of the shit that went down there and continues to go on there. 106 record endorsed candidates. And that looks like 100 people who are primed to win their their general elections in November. And CNN today, I saw in, in an article I was reading this morning, uh, is already saying that they're trying to minimize it like ridiculously. It says House Republicans can win back up to 35 seats mm. when we've had more candidates on this show than 35 who are going to win seats in the fall. It's yeah, like no they're, they're already trying to completely marginalize how big the America first movement is. And yeah. I kind of saw what they did there and I shared it, but you, you can't listen to any of the stuff that's on any of the news outlets that Donald Trump so elegantly outlined yeah. <laughs> as he was going down the rung of uh, names he makes up for them. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously they're going to try to get ahead and like, sway the public perception and you know just like they did in like 2016 with hillary and and trump with the polls and and everything they've been doing since then for example but well i'm just looking at some of the numbers from the primaries now and it's like i was looking at one in uh in texas today some some obscure house seat but a guy ran on an america first agenda and you know what they're not going to report on is what voter turnout was so this guy ran in the texas primary and he had like 45,000 people come out and vote for him. Mm -hmm. And then he was up against eight other people in the primary and still had 45,000 votes at the end. And he won the primary, uh, his challenger on the democratic side. Yeah. Well, well, his challenger on the democratic side only had two other primary challengers and 10,000 total people came out and voted. Wow. So So it's like, these are the things that are, yeah. Yeah. A huge sign that people are really doing their homework, waking up, understanding like what's at stake here i mean just like trump said like because i was listening to the rally before we got on the show Mm -hmm. trying to catch up because i haven't caught up fully but i mean this is extremely important and i and that what what you just told me just kind of confirms that people are are really realizing how important this is right now and and what's at stake yeah, just get ready. Listen, we're, today's what the thirty first. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow is is a million different letters Pride Month. Oh, so yeah. get oh, get yeah. ready oh, to God. have. Shit. I need to get. Uh, yeah, I need to get my memes ready. <laughs> it, it's it's going to be a long month. So now you got you got gun oh, control. You've got saving Ukraine, and you've got LGBT. Okay. All the other letters all wrapped into the next thirty wonderful days. What, what, what was really wonderful, though, was to finally hear Harriet Hagman talk. We're still in negotiations to get her on the show, but she did appear at the rally, and uh, we're going to hear a couple clips from her. Um, she defines herself as Wyoming, and uh, let's hear her talk about that a little bit. I've been fighting for you and winning against the Environmental Protection Agency. the Fish and Wildlife Service, the Forest Service, and the United States Department of Agriculture, just to name a few. I know Wyoming. I love Wyoming. I am Wyoming. I know what it means to ride for the brand, to be loyal to the outfit that hired you, and to always keep your word. 
I have fought for Wyoming, and I will fight for you in Washington, D.C. And I will be taking that fight to D.C. just as soon as I defeat Liz Cheney. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Good to finally hear her voice and uh, get to know what she's all about. You know, even though her and Liz Cheney have some similar physical features, uh, the trademark glasses, hairstyle, etc., she's kind of a firecracker. Cash Patel's endorsed her, not in the same thread. I hope that uh, Cash, Cash endorsed her. That he did endorse Morgan Ortega. We'll we'll we'll, do, we'll we'll give him a mulligan on her because uh, <laughs> I've seen Morgan Ortega over the course of this long weekend. Uh, gracing the CNNs, MSNBCs, and Fox Newses of the world to add commentary from her in studio or in home studio, where she has a v- extremely wrinkled, uh, unleveled Ukraine flag pinned to the wall behind her. Oh, my word. <sighs> I know. Hey, listen, we we gotta just let it be how it is. Um, but you know, it, it's good. She's a strong candidate, and and the opening. Uh, polls are starting to come out now, and it's looking like she's anywhere between 45 and 60 percent ahead of Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney, there's a couple other primary challengers. She's polling somewhere around 17, and I don't even think it's that high. I mean, anybody, um, anybody doing better than Liz, I'll take anybody. Uh, you know, oh, that's another thing we have to remember in the month of June. They're, they're going to be televising portions of the January 6th Stop. hearings. Yeah, yeah. So... They're they're going full force. They sure are, and uh, but we'll skip ahead. We'll skip ahead a little bit to uh, a little bit later in the rally. Uh, Donald Trump got on the topic of social media and uh, talked about Twitter. I think he talked about Elon Musk a little bit as well. And uh, you know they want him back, but it ain't happening because we know where. Well, at least you could get seen and shared, and that's on True Social. So let's hear him uh, talk about that a little bit. Remember a long time ago when Twitter was good. Now it's going down the tubes, by the way. Trump, <laughs> right? We want Trump ready. Truth, social. Truth, social. <laughs> Truth. Oh, their heads are spinning. That one's doing so well. Everybody get off Twitter and go Truth, social. You did good. I did too. Mine was enforced, but they want me back. (laughs) They want me back so badly. And I'm not going back because we have truth. We have truth on our side. That's the way I look at it. We have truth on our side. I like that. Get off Twitter. Nice. Yeah, I mean, listen, it it is what it is. (laughs) I've never seen anything. It's so refreshing in the three years that we've done this to go on and literally have hundreds of notifications and mentions and shares. Like I'm, I'm literally like feeling like I'm blushing in real life now because I have people I message me and you're blushing. <laughs> no, yeah, people get in our blush. comment section on like Instagram and, and somebody commented like a week ago, I shared a video of uh, Christina Bob, the one where she was talking about dismantling the FBI and, and somebody wrote in the comment section, like bro, 57 views, get the fuck out of here. And I'm just like, Hey, that's the life we've lived for the last three years. Yeah, no, it's and, true. and so true, man. Our, our our listenership is extremely, you know, frustrated with how our social media has been repressed because we do have a strong voice and, and a narrative that carries the you know the America First line, which rolls into to our next clip. Was you know, there's been so much talk about MAGA and ultra MAGA and and what is it? Spoiler alert: it's going to be the topic of our next Substack. 
Um, but Trumpism, it's, it's one of the things the potato man, Stelter, always kind of harps on it. You, I've seen Jake Tapper get into a little bit on CNN as well. And of course, Joey Reid just says it's it's literally the rebirth Joey. of the KKK. But Donald Trump gave a little bit better definition of what Trumpism is. Let's hear him say it. So the other day, a reporter, fake news reporter, asked me, what is Trumpism? What is Trumpism? How do you define it? And I thought it was actually an interesting question. And I sat down and thought about it. And I thought about America first. I thought about make America great again. But I said, it's really very simple. It means low taxes, low regulations, the most powerful military in the world. It means mm. taking care of our vets. It means tariffs and taxes on yes. other countries who take advantage of the United States on trade, which is almost every one of yeah. them. And by the way, which will make America rich again. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I like it. Is basically no brainers. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it seriously is. It, it, it's you look out for yourself first, so that you're strong enough to be able to take care of the people who need Everybody it else appropriately. I mean, come yep. on. like it's like it's a very simple concept to understand for anybody. It doesn't matter what party you're a part of. Like as a mother, you need to take care of yourself so you can take care of your children and your family. Bingo. Same with a father, for example. It's like, okay, hello. Like if we're overextending ourselves as a country and completely depleting ourselves of all our resources in general from every aspect and every agency, how are we going to be able to take care of the rest of the world as we have been for many, yep. many years. It, it, it's ridiculous. And the people that think that it's a bad thing for us to be a little bit selfish, it's not even selfish. It's just self-preservation and, you know, what anyone would do. It, it, oh, that's an excellent um, point you make, Antoinette, because when you make yourself so strong enough that you don't have to worry about taking out of the reserves to help someone in need, a country that's getting invaded, a humanitarian crisis, a natural disaster, uh, you know, and things of that nature. Like right now, we have no business being anywhere else in the world when you look at how absolutely destroyed our, our, our nation is right now. Everything from education and the economy all the way down to voting systems and the border and everything in between. There's no excuse for anything yep. that's happening right now. Everything that's happening is orchestrated and strategically planned by this administration. But it, but Joe Biden told that. us it was all he told us it was transitory last week. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I can't even listen to him. Wait, you say he said he said it, it was it, trans? It, it's so fucking hard to even Oh, it, it is about to be June. <laughs> trans. No, I got I got some real bangers in our in our news mash segment coming up next but before we get to that and the way we end every segment uh the only place you'll hear the end of every trump rally the most motivating and emotionally driven portion of it uh listen he's been working on some new material adding deducting pitch tone uh me and noah listened to it before we started recording we were laughing the whole time so i'm gonna i'm gonna try not to laugh but uh <laughs> let's hear donald trump uh give the outro to the rally and uh talk about making america great again This is your home, this is your heritage. 
And our American liberty is your God-given right. From Cheyenne to Sundance, from Gillette to Jackson, from Sheridan to right here in Casper. Casper, we love Casper. This state was built by some of the toughest men and some of the strongest women ever to walk the face of the earth. Wyoming was forged by pioneers and farmers and mountaineers and frontiersmen, ranchers and lawmen, and by a roll call of America's legends like Buffalo Bill Cody. Did you know that? Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill. We love Buffalo Bill. These Wyoming heroes scaled the Rockies, braved the cold, tamed the wilderness, and they carved out a life and a home with their own two hands. It was hardworking patriots like you who built this country, and it is hardworking patriots like you who are going to save our country. Our country is in trouble. Our country is in trouble. We will stand up to the radical left lunatics and the rhinos, and we will fight for America like no one has ever fought before. There is no mountain we cannot climb. There is no summit we cannot reach. There is no challenge we cannot meet. There is no victory we cannot have. We will not bend. We will not break. We will not yield. We will never give in. We will never give up. We will never, ever back down. As long as we are confident and united, the tyrants we are fighting do not stand even a small chance. Because we are Americans, and Americans kneel to God and to God alone. My fellow citizens, this incredible journey we are on together has only just begun. And it is time to start talking about greatness for our country again. We don't talk about greatness anymore. You watch the newscasts at night. They talk about all of these different things, but they never talk about making our country great again. They never do. They tear down our country. They don't build up our country. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation. Under God, we are the American nation. We are the greatest nation on Earth. But right now, there are challenges to that status. We're not going to let that happen. We are going to be greater than ever before. So with the help of everyone here today and citizens all across our land, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. Proud, proud, proud. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you very much, Wyoming. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, we're going to do a little news mass for our last segment today. Big 
Tuesday edition of Steak for Breakfast. And uh, it seems like gun grabbing was, was the theme of the weekend, unfortunately. Uh, thank goodness for some of the, well, he's kind of a middle-of-the-road political pundit, definitely a never-Trumper, but people like Jon Stewart, who went out to a Memorial Day event and, and really took to task the American public, um, you know, before he got to speaking about all the things we're supposed to do on Memorial Day, which is remember the ultimate sacrifice that, you know, servicemen and women gave to defend our freedoms and stuff. He said he hates going to these things and only seeing the veterans, the wounded, their families and their handlers. Like, where's the American people like really getting behind uh, how important it is to, you know, remember all, all the sacrifices that that these people made. And uh, I thought it was good. But, you know, get, Biden and Harris both made really bad comments about Memorial Day last year. Remember, if you guys do, uh, Kamala Harris said, enjoy the long weekend yeah, where she took her. off. And, and Joe Biden didn't even issue a statement last year. But this year, it seemed like the focus was guns. Uh, let's get into that a little bit right now before we jump into the Memorial Day stuff. Uh, here's Kamala Harris talking at one of the funerals for uh, someone who was murdered during the Buffalo massacre a couple of weeks ago. Let's hear her. The pain that this family is feeling right now and the nine other families here in Buffalo, I cannot even begin to express our collective pain as a nation for what you are feeling in such an extreme way. To not only lose someone that you love, but through an act of extreme violence and hate. And I do believe that our nation right now is experiencing an epidemic of hate. And as we know, and scripture teaches us, oh, come on. when we talk about strength, the strength of personality, the strength of spirit, the strength of faith, I think we all know that a true measure of strength is not based on who you beat down, it's based on who you lift up. <laughs> who you lift up. And it means then also in that strength, understanding we will not allow small people to create fear in our communities, that we will not be afraid to stand up for what is right, to speak truth even when it may be difficult to hear and speak. There's a through line. A what? What happened here in Buffalo, in Texas? in Atlanta, in Orlando. What happened at the synagogues? And so this is a moment that requires all good people, all God-loving people to stand up and say, we will not stand for this. Enough is enough. We will come together based on what we all know we have in common and we will not let those people who are motivated by hate separate us or make us feel fear. So I'm here to say that we are all in this together. <laughs> of course you are. No one should ever be made to fight alone. <laughs> we are stronger than those who would try to hurt us think that we are. We are strong. Wait, what? We are strong in our faith. We are strong in our belief about what is right and our determination to act to ensure that we protect 
all those who deserve to be protected, that we see all those who deserve wow. to be seen, that we hear the voices of the people, and that we rise up in solidarity to speak out against this and to speak to our better angels. Thank you. Oh, she was trying to turn on the crocodile tears a little bit there for a minute. There you go. No, well, no, you're our Biden-Harris speech uh, interpreter, so what did you take away from that? Uh, it wasn't as bad as I know it normally is. We're all here, and we're all together. I know that for sure. Yeah. Uh, and she had a couple little flubs. I think she was focusing too much on her acting and trying to do the voice quiver, yeah. which didn't really work. The internet. No, it's, the yeah, it was like a reverse cackle. And then, uh, and then she had the together. Mm-hmm. Always channeling her inner Obama when she's doing public speaking events. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you know, it was a it was a funeral for a victim who was African American, so she was definitely trying to uh, add a little soul to her voice. Mm-hmm. You could hear that. That's not the way she typically. <laughs> yeah, talks. she does generally doesn't um, say together word <laughs> together. Yeah, uh, she would double down on ending all violence in all ways possible before she jumped on a plane at the airport following the event. Let's hear. violence I will say as I've said countless times we are not sitting around waiting to figure out what the solution looks like you know we're not looking for a vaccine we know what works on this it includes let's have an assault weapons ban you know what an assault (laughs) weapon is you know how an assault weapon was designed it was designed for a specific purpose to kill a lot of of human beings quickly. An assault weapon is a weapon of war with no place, no place in a civil society. I, I just can't. With Nobody this owns assault weapons unless I, I you got just a can't. That, it's thing. not a weapon of war. Like if you're going to talk, oh God. But that that's the most asinine. Nobody owns assault weapons unless you have like a right. tax stamp and you have like a full auto, three round burst. The general public with a fucking sporting rifle has a <laughs> semi-automatic <laughs> rifle that is no different than any other semi-automatic rifle exactly. other than it looks scary. It's not like an M4 and an M16. Like these people don't know. I mean, I mean, they're banking on. No, the an M4 is an M4 semi-automatic rifle is the exact same platform as AR-15. It's not different. No, I know. Yep. But like what the military uses, you know, I mean, they use AR-15s, but they're not. It's not like like you like you just explained. It's not a fully automatic weapon of war. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's just a bigger pistol that looks scary. Yeah. I mean, we it do have to cool circle in back. my opinion, but it looks scary yeah. to them, you know. <laughs> And you want to know what, at the end of the day, it really doesn't look scary to them because they honestly don't care. This is their next grift. We do have to circle back, though, to... Um, I want to get some more best. videos of people crying when they fire an, uh, an AR-15. Those are my favorite. The, the 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 rifle with the least amount of recoil possible. And they're I like, know. No! <laughs> I saw I saw some guy this weekend. He was, like, at the range, and he shot, like, three or four rounds, and he started crying. He's like, I thought it was airsoft. <laughs> But, but it's listen, literally got the, the same the best amount of kick first son in the country, uh, Hunter Biden. If we all remember now, he did uh, falsify legal documents to obtain a gun yep. because of both of his uh, his convictions, his military discharge and his drug use. So throwing in the trash. <laughs> yeah, he threw he threw it in a dumpster. Um, him or like I don't think of, that's um, the proper way to dispose of a firearm. I, th- I think it was his, his brother's wife. 
somebody. Yeah. And, and, you know, well, I'm sure there's, there's more text messages of that on the Hunter Biden laptop. Consequently, I saw today former DHS secretary under, from the Obama administration, huge piece of shit, Michael Chertoff. He's been assigned to a special counsel to debunk the narrative on the Hunter Biden laptop assigned by Come Joe on. Biden. Debunk. Gotta love that one. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's some breaking news today. And we do have a lot of breaking news that we're going to get to in a bit. We're going to stay in this thread, though. Joe Biden, um, well, he, he's apparently big mad at nine millimeter rounds. And before he hopped on a plane to Delaware this weekend, uh, he talked about it. Let's hear him. And they showed me a, 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 a x-ray. He said a 22 caliber bullet will lodge in a lung. And we can probably get it out. Maybe able to get it and save the life. A nine millimeter bullet blows the lung out of the body. Ah. So the idea of these high caliber weapons is that there is simply no rational basis for it in terms of about self-protection, hunting. I mean, I just I remember the Constitution, the Second Amendment was never absolute. Fuck that. Also, yeah, I was waiting for you to drop that. <laughs> also, <laughs> nine millimeters a fucking handgun round. Hey, apparently it blows the lung outside the back of the body. <laughs> I got, what what uh, kind of bullets are they using? Point? <laughs> okay, so a hollow point nine mil round, mm-hmm. maybe. <laughs> blows the lung out of the body. <laughs> okay, are, are, are we trying to say like a yeah. five five six round is going to do that? Because those ones are actually designed to hit, enter, and tumble inside your body, not right. blow out oh. the back end. Yeah. That's why they cause so, so much damage, because they tumble around inside. Well, Noah, congratulations. You've just been uh, appointed our 9 millimeter round expert now Perfect. as well. Perfect. So, Ballistics expert. There you go. Um yeah, so Joe Biden doesn't know what he's talking about, and they are literally just trying to throw anything out there to have the casual politics follower. Uh, they knew a lot of people would often probably be around the TV, especially early on in the day over the weekend, to uh, hear these things. And, and, you know, you could see whatever starts to resonate, um, they're going to try and use moving forward. What's not resonating, though, is Joe Biden overall. Uh, there were some polls released today Um So he's underwater in 47 states. You have California, New York, and Delaware, where he's supposedly over 50%. Um, And he's polling right now nationally at 34%. I don't know who these people are. However, in the last few minutes, I did see a a tweet from Rasmussen polls that said, you want to know what? Why should we continue to be responsible and hold the line and use the 5% back and forth way to weight this for Democrats? Why don't we just remove that and say the actual poll numbers, which is in the 20s and, and probably a lot more accurate, um, you know, because he, he's over a 70 percent unfavorable rating. So being in the high 20s for an overall approval rating would probably make the most sense. Canada's fucked. I don't know if you guys heard about this one over the weekend. Uh, Justin Trudeau came out last night yeah. uh, to talk about most guns, but in particular, all handguns across the uh snowy nation let's hear him uh make his people big mad legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership what this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy sell transfer or import 
handguns anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. As a further part of this new legislation, we're also fighting gun smuggling and trafficking by increasing maximum criminal penalties and providing more tools for law enforcement to investigate firearm crimes. And we'll require the permanent alteration of long gun magazines so they can never hold more than five rounds. Ever. Five rounds? These are actions that doctors, experts, and chiefs of police have been calling for for years and we're acting on their advice. I also want to thank the advocates, many of whom are here today, for your tireless efforts. I know that for too many of you, Greece, oh grief and loss are at the root of the work that you do. I want to recognize that, and on behalf of all Canadians, I want to thank you for your strength. Merci. God, he almost cried better than Kamala Harris did. Noah, you're our Canadian uh, Crying lawfully expert. owned firearm expert as well. What do you, what do you think when uh, I didn't think you, you were, hear that? I, I thought they were super strict already up there. They, they are yes. for the most part. Yeah, and it, it's wild. I mean, is this effective immediately? Okay, and then also yes. a five-round wow. a, a five magazine. <laughs> I cannot. Like, they, they make those? I mean, I don't okay, even, yeah, so I was just going to ask. If you have something that's in like 40 or 45 and it's a single stack, it might be like a seven round magazine, but like five, like you're going to have people like modify magazines that hold seven rounds. Like, I mean, come on, give me a break. Oh my God. Yeah, you, you saw that and that's, you know. I feel like it's proposing... an empty, it's an empty virtue signal anyway, because the fact is that if there's a criminal element that has guns up there, they don't give a shit what kind of laws and what kind of penalties you're instituting on it because they're a criminal element. They're going to keep doing what they're doing, and if you get hemmed up and you go to jail for a little bit longer or you get fined or whatever, like they, that's cost of doing business if you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought, um, well, maybe he's in, in bed a little bit with uh, some of the gun manufacturers to get those uh, new five-round magazines cranking out there faster the than ever before. Smith Wesson, <laughs> the yeah. revolvers. That's the only five-round that I can think. Of. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I you have even... uh, if you have an AR-15 platform rifle, M4 or something like that, like the smallest magazine that you can put in one of those, that I mean, that you'll still be able to remove, <laughs> would be like a ten-round magazine. Like that's no, probably it's the smallest wild. that can fit. Yep. So, so you're going to take a, a useless magazine and make it more useless. I mean, not that a 10-round is useless, but, I mean, it's not the standard I mean, it's, capacity. It's better than nothing, but still, it's yeah. not the standard, yeah. you know. Oh, it, it's true. And, and you know, we, we see they've demonized guns. They've demonized the munitions and, and the ammo. They, they've demonized, obviously, the police, especially here in the United States since 2017. There was something that kind of snuck under the radar before Joe Biden took off for the weekend, uh, and it was a new police reform bill that he uh, came out and gave an announcement on. I believe this is an executive order, which will now uh, create a whole bunch of things that we're going to listen to in a second. Uh, but I think most importantly, before leading in now and even after all of these major incidents we've had with the I'm air quoting mass shootings uh, in the last you know couple of weeks, 
local and state police departments will be moving forward forbade from receiving any kind of what the government defines as military grade tactical equipment. Uh, so very interesting narrative there. I don't see them trying to get to the root sources of the problem, which in most cases is mental health and regarding these things. Sometimes it's ideology. We, we can't yeah, uh, disregard that. Yeah. But let's hear, let's hear Joe Biden talk about this new, uh, executive order that he kind of, uh, signed into life on Friday. This executive order is going to deliver the most significant police reform in decades. It applies directly under law to only 100,000 federal law enforcement officers, all the federal law enforcement officers. We expect the order to have significant impact on state and local law enforcement agencies as well. Here are the key parts. First, the executive <laughs> order promotes accountability. It creates a new national law enforcement and accountability database. Yeah. Track records of misconduct so that an officer can't hide the misconduct. It strengthens the pattern and practice investigations to address systematic mi misconduct in some departments. It mandates all federal agents wear and activate body cameras while on patrol. Second, the executive order raises standards, bans chokeholds, restricts no-knock warrants, tightens use of force policies to emphasize de-escalation. And third, the executive order modernizes policing. It calls for a fresher, fresh approach to recruit, train, promote, and retrain law enforcement that tied to advancing public safety and public trust. Right now, we don't systematically collect data, for instance, Buzzword. on instances of police use of force. Gotta say data. is going to improve that data collection. Mm, data collection. Mm. Gotta love that data collection. Data collect me harder, daddy. <laughs> Sounds like he went to the Alejandro Mayorkas School of Data Collecting. <laughs> yeah. You want police to have their body cam on the entire time they're on patrol? You better have some uh, pretty heavy-duty SD cards in there. I know, right? Yeah. Does that include poop time? Sometimes you're patrolling the public bathrooms. Yeah. I was just going to say. <laughs> oh, my word. It's just. And they kept using the words agent. I, I, I think that's a weird definition to have in there, and I don't know if he was just using it because you know how sometimes he gets stuck on something and can't get off of it. Even when like yeah. he'll say something one day, they'll ask him the next day. He'll say he didn't said it, yeah. say it, but then he'll go back literally the next day and make the same comments. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things where uh, I, I just think it, it, it doesn't help anything. I, I think uh, collaborative relationships between the military and let's just say specialized units, SWATs and things like that, that are, that are learning to, sometimes work in war zones. Uh, some active shooter situations do resemble some of the things that happen in foreign countries when they're doing close quarters, well, they should uh, be treated like urban, that, urban, urban tactics and stuff like that. And uh, listen, it, like the eighties where they used to have the movies, the, the stereotypical cars pull up a whole bunch of guys in black pants and blue short sleeve collared shirts with like their little fancy police hats getting out with their revolvers running into buildings when there's active shooters going on. Those days have long passed. Yeah. Um, you need to do it a little bit more tactically and soundly. And uh, it seems like Joe Biden is all against that happening. Well, and when you talk about limiting no-knock warrants, like no-knock warrants are used in a specific situation generally. Yep. When the, that use of force is going to be warranted to save lives and make a safe... I mean, uh, so, all right, we're going to have to start uh, just calling them ahead. Hi, hi, Mr. Criminal. Uh, just to let you know, 
uh, we're going to come knock on your door at about 7.30 tonight. <laughs> if that's okay with you, um, we could bring a pizza. Um, don't shoot us. No, no, we, 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 won't, we, won't, we won't be pretending to be a pizza delivery man. No, we're just going to bring pizza. And uh, if you could just not shoot us in the face when, when you open the door, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> or, or actually, uh, just make sure you're still there, too, because, you know, that'd be embarrassing if we showed up. And you are technically the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. And if we didn't think that that was enough of a, you know, outrageous narrative to start our, our news block with in our last, you know, segment here on Tuesday edition of Steak for Breakfast, we're going to segue now to Memorial Day. Uh, Joe Biden spoke in Washington, D.C. He returned. Uh, to the Capitol Monday to give a, well, I think the entirety of his speech was about three minutes. We're going to play two clips from it right now. And not a lot of it talks about what Memorial Day is all about. And that's remembering the servicemen and women who gave the ultimate sacrifice for this country, defending our freedoms. Let's hear him. Memorial Day (laughs) is always a day where pain and pride are mixed together. We all know it sitting here. Jill and I know it. Today's the day our son died. Oh, gosh. Folks, for those who've lost a loved one, what does that have to do with the service of our country? Nothing. If your loved one is missing or unaccounted for, I know the ceremonies reopen that black hole in the center of your chest that just pulls you in. The hurt can be overwhelming. But for so many of you, as is with Jill and me, the hurt is wrapped around the knowledge that your loved one was part of something bigger, bigger than any of us. They chose a life of purpose. on the strong shoulders and noble spirits of our service members that our freedom is built, our democracy is sustained. And in this moment, when a war of aggression is once more being waged by Russia to snuff out the freedom, the democracy, the very culture and identity of neighboring Ukraine. Ah, oh, there it is. We, so, so, we see so clearly all that's at stake. Freedom has never been free. Democracy has always required champions. Today, in the perennial struggle for democracy and freedom, Ukraine and its people are on the front lines fighting to save their nation. But their fight is part of a larger fight that unites all people. There's a fight that so many of the patriots whose eternal rest is here in these hallowed grounds were part of, a battle between democracy and autocracy, between liberty and repression, between appetites and ambition of a few who forever seek to dominate the lives and liberties of many a battle for essential democratic principles. Today we remember and we reaffirm freedom is worth the sacrifice. Democracy is not perfect. It's never been good, perfect. But it's worth fighting for. If necessary, worth dying for. It's more than just our former government. It's part of the very soul of America. I like completely tuned out after like the first. You know, you know it, the way his speechwriters write speeches, he doesn't have long enough sentences 
It's like well, it's three, that- four, five words break, three, four, five words break, three words break. And, and the way it's, you can't really emotionally attach yourself. I think the biggest difference between, well, there's a lot of differences between Joe Biden and, and, and Donald Trump, but when they're, t- when they're stumping, Donald Trump can do those three, four, five words stop. And then he goes off and he develops it a little bit with his off, you know, uh, mm-hmm. teleprompter candor. And then he goes right back to the message. And, and right. you know, we, we heard that in, in our, in our second segment today with the, uh, coverage of the Trump rally in Wyoming, but man, when, when you talk, he talked about his son, he talked about democracy being never good or perfect. Okay. He talked about freedom, not being free. Thank you for quoting team America. That's one of my favorite movies. Mm. Um, and, and he talked about Ukraine. But, but I, I didn't hear about, did you guys hear anything about any of the major conflicts we ever won to defend the freedom in this country or, mm. or how many people lost? You know, we talked about opening the black hole of your sons and daughters that died, but there just wasn't enough there. I think the reason his, his uh, spacing is because when you have a 175-point font on the teleprompter, you can only fit so many words on it. <laughs> yeah. And there were a lot of distractions going on this weekend. Listen, Paul Pelosi... Excellent fucking job. 82 years old, same <laughs> wife as, or same age as your wife, Nancy, drunk driving in Napa Valley while she's in Rhode Island giving commencement speeches. Uh, what's up with that? Oh, you guess know. what? I was you know laughing my ass yeah. I got the notification on my phone. I was like, get out of here. Out of- <laughs> this happened on, this I happened, know. I believe, on, on Saturday night. You know. Paul Pelosi's not sitting in jail until today waiting to see I judge. Was he was exactly, at, yeah, I was thinking this he was out on $5,000 bond within hours. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So holiday, that's just holiday weekend. Normally your <laughs> holiday weekend, you get a Dewey on a holiday weekend. You're going to be in there all weekend. Yeah. They, they don't care about holiday. you. They don't care about, you know, listen, the gun laws, they're going to try and do everything they can to take that stuff away from us. They will always have, armed to the teeth security protecting them. It's just the way it's always going to be. That's why we can never give up our guns. Things like Memorial Day, absolutely loathsome, disgusting behavior from all of our elected officials across the board this week up in the Beltway. And then just to see how much they, you know, adhere and and act as sparkling examples uh, for all the U.S. citizens to see things like, dude, 82 years old, driving drunk at 2 o'clock in the morning. Like, where's his chauffeur? Like, I don't get it. Like, why was he driving himself? You know, he probably, I mean, he probably left like his vineyard or some shit like that, but. So, you know, it's really gross. Maybe he was seeing his mistress. I was just going to say that. Too. Do you think we can get the uh, body cam footage <laughs> from that traffic out. stop? That must have been, hey, uh, you, you know who my wife is? I know. You seen that drunk lady on the Congress? What? You know what? If he, if he would have said, do you know who my wife is? Honestly, the cops should have let him off and felt bad for no, him. I know. You know what? Real. Paul, I'm just going to drive you home. Yeah. <laughs> Or, you know, maybe he was somebody on our team and he's like, fuck yeah, I know who your wife is. I know, right? I was just oh, yeah. that too. Like, it's either either or. Because sometimes yeah, it's I'm like if you start name dropping. Him, that's the thing. So it has to be somebody that can't stand, you know. Yeah, if you start name dropping the people that people don't like, it's probably not going to help mm-hmm. your case. <laughs> well, as we're getting ready to, to wrap it up here, I do have one little more almost non-related, uh, but still relevant now. Well, over the course of the show that we're recording today on Tuesday, we have all come to learn that Michael Sussman has been acquitted of lying to the FBI. Bullshit. Um, the jury was not able I'm to convict him. Yeah, we're going to have to see what happens with that. We're going to be getting with Cash Patel again very soon. And, uh, you know, it's if you fixed. haven't descri- subscribed to his 
Durham Watch newsletter, make sure you get over to uh, fightwithcash.com and, and do that because I'm sure he's going to give an explanation of what he thinks happened today and what's going to be happening legally moving forward. That trial has a lot of moving parts going on, and uh, I don't think we've even started to uncover the, the big, big part of it. But here's the thing. Former Attorney General Bill Barr sat down with Glenn Beck over the weekend and did like a Memorial Day weekend fireside chat to talk about all things politics, everything from Russiagate to the midterm elections. I've pulled a couple select clips. Um, and we're going to listen to this first one here. And he's talking about the Durham probe and some of the legalities around it. So let's listen in on this and then we'll talk about it a little bit. It's clear there are dirty people. And I thought, what did you do? Why would you leave and leave that out there? Tell me what your thought process was on that. Did that bother you at all? I know you write about it in the book. That No, so I, I thought the president was going to lose. I, starting in April of 2020, I went in and talked to the president. I told him I thought he was going to lose the election. That must have made him happy. Uh, well, he didn't listen to me. <laughs> uh, he knew better. But uh, so I thought that I would appoint Durham as a special counsel, but I would do it secretly before the election. Uh, and after the election, the fact that I appointed him before the election would look more and be more of a bona fide move. In mm -hmm. other words, I wasn't going to wait to see who won. I was going to appoint him as special counsel. And that gave him protection, and my judgment was uh, I was highly confident he would remain in office and they wouldn't touch him. Why? They be break all other rules. Because I think... Uh, because they, because this administration had no real interest in protecting either Hillary Clinton or or Comey, mm. and at the end of the day, uh, for them to lose the Capitol and, and cause the you know appear to be covering something up that would then mm. never get mm. resolved, I didn't think was in their interest, and I think institutionally that would have destroyed the new AG if he had tried that. So, and he he would have known that he he had come from the department, so. I was confident they would keep him. I was also confident they would keep Weiss up in Delaware, but I didn't appoint him as a special counsel. Um, but there's something, you know, I, I know a lot of my own side, so to speak, has, has been uh, attacking me on the Durham thing. And I'll just point out a few things that I think it's important for people to understand. Uh, I felt from day one that the real issue that had to be explored wasn't collusion, which I was skeptical of, but how it got started, how the collusion narrative got started. Mm -hmm. And so once I had dealt with Mueller, uh, and that was put to bed, uh, I immediately appointed Durham to look into that. And I knew he was tenacious and uh, was extremely honorable and would follow the truth wherever it led. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to get to the... Uh Next clip was a little bit more telling, and then I have some side commentary from one of our favorite guests, Cash Patel, on that specific clip. Um, but uh, yeah, th there's a little bit of a narrative here that's going on with Bill Barr, and we can uh, we'll discuss it after we hear the second one. I think whatever you think of Trump, the fact is that the whole RussiaGate thing was a grave injustice. It was a it appears. Uh, to be a dirty political trick that was used first to hobble him and then potentially to drive him from office. Right. And Does that, I, may, may I ask? I, and I don't, I, I, I hate the, um, 
music treason because it's the only yeah. thing in the constitution and it has a punishment tied to it but is it at least seditious to do something like this i i believe it is seditious yes and and uh you know whether that could be proved in court as a crime is it is uh, one issue but i think people are now coming to see what actually happened it was a gross injustice it was it was and it and it hurt the united states in many ways including what we're seeing in ukraine these days you know it 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 distorted our foreign policy and so forth that was former attorney general bill Barr there discussing one of the most scandals well you know i i think the fact of the matter is is that Listen, Cash Patel put it best. He texted me today off of uh, a portion of that interview that I posted on True Social. He wrote, it's too late. All he's trying to do is make money and stay relevant. If you believed that Hillary Clinton committed seditious acts, oh, wait, weren't you the attorney general then? Maybe you should have prosecuted her and the case. Bill Barr is exactly the reason why the American people hate swamp Godzillas. Mm. So... Yeah, it's one of those things where, I mean, you hear Glenn Beck kind of framed it. There was some intimate music and they were all getting into the microphone like this. being like, mm, well, let me ask you another question. And uh, ooh, ooh, that's a spicy question. <laughs> so, you know, it, but Bill Barr does have a book coming out. So we know he has to go around and, and, and do that stuff. And, and Yeah. And all the people in, in, in MAGA country aren't going to be buying it unless he kind of tries yeah. to make people forget what he actually I did got do it. and yeah it. <laughs> and and make you think about the things that like uh he could have done and make it seem like he should have did those but you know it's just a whole bunch of double speak and uh i don't know what do you think i, I mean obviously i wouldn't say it's it, well borderlines on treason but as far as seditious acts i think hillary clinton james comey clapper polder susan rice john Kerry, all those people pretty much nailed it right on the head when they went out and did all the things they did mm -hmm. yeah no of course yeah they should throw the throw the book at them but unfortunately I mean, it's just, that's not how it works right and everything and more you know it's worse um, what they've done I, I mean a lot of people who come on the show always have a different target cash wants hillary other people have uh, said christopher ray you know, uh, Ambassador Grinnell was on with us earlier in the show, and it looks like he 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 didn't mention Hillary Clinton once. He he's got James Comey in the in the crosshairs, yeah. and then when he talked talked about those backroom blowups, just imagine uh, right. Ambassador Grinnell and James Comey going at it. <laughs> I know, for right? Pay per view material to say the least. Uh, be a fly on the wall. Yeah, it's pretty fun fiery guy so it was great sitting down with him and uh you know just moving forward i guess we're gonna have to keep tracking on this stuff we had so much news come out over the weekend which was holiday weekend and it should have been quiet and and we had a lot of news breaking over the course of the show which we we got to you guys in this awesome tuesday edition of the show so it's noah's favorite part of the show hey and what a great way to start the week what do you guys think Awesome. Had worse. Had worse. Had better. Stop it. I think it was great. <laughs> well, regardless of what you're going to give it on a uh, rating today, there are several places that you could find download the Stay for Breakfast podcast, and uh, they're across every downloadable podcasting platform. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Pod Addict, Podbean, Google Podcasts, FM Player, iHeartRadio, and of course on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Don't forget to leave a review. Download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show credits. Obviously go to uh, Ambassador Rick Grinnell for coming and 
having a good time with us today. It was great to uh, give you guys a couple steak exclusives onto all the stuff that he's got going on. In addition to that, of course, there's some of our internet friends. We've got Cagro88, Patriotic Baby Counts, Mr. Garbaggio, Kyle Becker of Kyle Becker News, uh, Christina Baba Save America, and Tom Pappert, the Editor-in-Chief of Valiant News Live. Friends, don't forget to go and uh, throw some cash at our partners, because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you make small American businesses great again. My pillow. Pillow King, Apparatus, BOGO Extravaganza, Interstate promo code to check out. Gotta love it. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website. You can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. Odyssey, get those ears taken care of and done upright. I am remote this week, and I am not using my Odyssey over-the-ear headphones. I'm looking at them through the camera, and I miss them. So if you want the top tier of ear gear, odyssey.com. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready, gear holsters. You want a picture of Bill Barr grifting and saying that he wishes he tried Hillary Clinton for treason, of course, edition. Stay ready, gear. We'll throw that on a concealed Tidex holster and uh, get it out faster than ever before. Stayreadygear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Man Rubs. You never forget the old rubs of man. That's when you weird. buy it, shake it, sprinkle it, rub it, slow cook it, get that barbecue sauce. No, you want Hawaiian rolls this week? Yeah, no. No? All right, we're just going to pull it, throw it in our mouth. Num, yes. num, num. Keto. <laughs> Manrubs.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. He's got a pretty simple equation for uh, all your firearm-related needs. Guns, accessories, ammo, get it taken care of. WestCoastSurvivalArms.com is the website. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. If you don't love their gear, you're going to love their IG. You can find them at MediocreMedic.com. And last but certainly not least, the uh, gold standard of tactical flair. Home of the zero fuck stuck. Dumpbox.us. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Upcoming shows. We'll be back on Friday. We got a couple of return candidates. Kelly Cooper, who's running in Arizona 4, will be with us. So will John Gibbs, who's looking to represent Michigan 3. And of course, we're going to have our, well, one of our favorite senatorial candidates out there. Eric Greitens is going to pop in to give us an update. It's going to be a great show. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday. Christina Bob of Save America. Always a banger when she's there. We're going to have political influencer Jasmine Ivey joining us. And we're going to sit down with constitutional attorney, based young man out of the uh, greater Florida area, Mike Yoder. He's going to be joining us for the first time. Nice. Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake is going to be with us on the 10th of June. And she'll be joined by none other than Joe Kent, who's running in Washington 3. Nice. We're going to sit down with someone who's been running around all over the place. You've seen him on every major legacy news channel. In addition to all the independent work he's been doing, he's our border correspondent. Jorge Ventura will be here on June 14th. And we're going to do the news with Emma Mitchum. We're going to circle back with Keith, Keith Peckow on the 21st of June. Blake Masters will be joining us on the 24th. Looking down the road a piece. Monica De La Cruz, July 8th. She'll be uh, jumping on the show with us for the first time. Friends of the week, 
Let's see. Got to say Hugh White memes. Outstanding work. Sharing our stuff everywhere. He also did the cover art for our newest Substack, which is out. Make sure you find it. You subscribe to it. You read it. Highly informative. In addition to him, let's go uh, Not Far Out. John Hacker LA. Let's go Brenda. Grand Old Memes. The Duke of Memes. Mostly Peaceful. Had some bangers this weekend. And uh, Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, thanks to remember between now and Friday when I'll thank Godly be back in the studio. Uh, number one, do your own research. I did mine, and you heard it in the interview with Ambassador Rick Grinnell. He was highly pleased with the questions we were asking, and sometimes it just takes a little bit more time to get to where you're going, but when you do your own research, it's a lot easier. Number two, start a podcast. Tell how the edits today. Not medium? Too, not too bad. I'll take it. And uh, last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode... 139 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back on Friday for episode 140. Kelly Cooper, John Gibbs, and Eric Reitens. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. That's what that. Bye, y'all. See you Friday. Excellent job today, team. Thanks for listening and take care. This is really funny. Really funny. What do you mean I'm funny? It's funny, you know. It's a good story. It's funny. You're a funny guy. What do you mean? You mean the way I talk? What? It's just, you know, you're just funny. It's funny, you know, the way you tell the story and everything. Funny how? I mean, what's funny about it? Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. Oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? You're right. Funny how? Just, what? Just, you know, you're, you're funny. <laughs> you mean, so? man, let me understand this, because I don't, you know, maybe it's me, I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? I make you laugh? I'm here to fucking amuse you? What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? I'm not just... You know how you tell a story? What? No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Get the fuck out of here, Tommy. <laughs> you motherfucker. I almost had him. I almost had him. <laughs>